Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name is John Tunger, and on this episode, I am joined by Establish the Run ETRs Cody Main and Gary Hartman. That's right, this is a football card episode. I missed these. Last time we had Cody on, he gave us some great insight into cards that we can be looking for, how to think about the market, and they're back giving us some great takes this episode. They'll both introduce themselves here in just a second, but a couple pieces of context for you. They both host a podcast called Establish the Collection, where they talk about collecting cards, NFTs, collectibles. Cody focuses on showdown content for Establish the Run, um, so those are like the single game slates. And Gary, well, he's actually won the Millie Maker, that big DraftKings competition uh, where you can win a million bucks. He's one of the very few. So an episode on the card market, football cards. We'll also talk about fanatics acquiring tops. Let's get started. Since the first time I've been on, I just continued to dive deeper into the Establish the Run showdown, breakdown analysis, really just diving into really specific player level um, usage takes, player on field performance, uh, especially in primetime games, uh, obviously, and just trying to hone that craft and really try to help people be successful at uh, NFL DFS. So that has uh, obviously naturally transitioned into card collecting and card investing, uh, as my wife is growing very familiar with as, as more and more of our discretionary <laughs> income goes towards card collecting. Um, but no, I, I just As if your wife had any other reason to just love football right. even more. Now you have pieces of cardboard getting delivered to your house besides just the, so I'm, I'm, I'm already stuff. talking it's about like tight end three target rates and Sean Mannion's pass rate over expectation. And now she's getting like <laughs> Sam Darnold disco prisms delivered to the house. And she's like, what in God's name is this yeah. crap? She's like disco. What disco? <laughs> I have a funny story real quick before, before we um, talk about, because there are plenty of, of NFL quarterbacks worth investing in. Um, one of my off season flag plants as Gary is well familiar with was Sam Darnold. Uh, thought the situation oh. was great for Donald. I thought getting out of, you know, the, the vice grips of Adam Gase was great for him. I thought Joe Brady was going to be a rock star. You know, you got <laughs> Terrace Marshall in the draft. You've got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. Like the situation was Just so good. The situation squad. was so good for Sam Donald that I was like, there's no way he can fail. Stuff is incredibly cheap right now. And I don't know if there'll be a playoff team. I don't, I don't even know if Sam Donald's good, but the situation is so good for him that there's just no way that he's any worse than he was, right? And I think that the market will reflect that. Uh, we know how things went with Sam Darnold, but I was taking I was taking some massive victory laps early on in the season. So, Week four, you were like, yeah, you're like, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. I, I, no I one's smarter it. than me. He's leading the league in rushing touchdowns, which I didn't even expect. Obviously, I about that. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a stretch there, man, where it was where it was really fun. Anyway, long story short, I'm obviously you know very braggadocious about this stuff, and, and my brother in law is living with us right now. And so I'm, I'm talking to him about this. He's my age and, and very into sports as well. And so I'm like, yeah, man, I was, I was right on Sam Darnold, man. I got, I got everything right. And then, you know, everything happens. He's, he gets hurt. He's benched, uh, looks like absolute garbage. Looks like we all thought Sam Darnold was going to look like. And so for Christmas, he gets me a gift and he says, wait, before you open this, there's a speech that goes along with this gift. I'm like, what, the, what, what are you talking about? So I open up this gift and it, it's a Sam Darnold. PSA nine disco prism, like not valuable at all. But he's like, 
we just needed to commemorate <laughs> your worst take of the year. So I had to buy you this. So now I'm holding on to a, a PSA 9 Sam Darnold disco prism that uh, my brother-in-law got to, to rub in my face. Maybe he'll be like XFL MVP one day and you'll Dang. be able to, um, you know, really offload these. Right. <laughs> Hello, uh, Gary. Yeah, thank you. For first time on, on the show. Uh, not as much a friend of the show as Cody, you know, because, you know, he, he's been on before. But uh, it's dude, it's so good to have you on. Millie Maker, but I've been following on Twitter for a long time. Um, yeah, why don't yeah. You, you share a little bit about yeah, yourself sure. so, so um, people can get to know you. Yeah, obviously, I, I, uh, I'm the co-host of our Establish the Collection podcast over at Establish the Run, where we talk about all things uh, sports collectibles, mostly traditional. As Cody was just talking about, I've rubbed my dirty hands all over him and made him into a, a traditional cardboard bro. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, I, um, I've been, you know, obviously I've been a uh, collector and a sports cards fan for, for most of my life, but I have uh, got back into collecting probably about four years ago now, kind of just on a whim. I walked into like a hobby shop in New York City where I live and wanted to see what things were up to, looked on eBay at some recent sales and I was like, wow, there's some value here and kind of did it as like a side hustle and, and a hobby. And then it imploded and I was able to kind of turn it into more, which was really like a, a true side business. And, um, you know, it then got going with DFS and, and, you know, attempting to be a professional DFS player and that established my relationship with Establish the Run, um, which I was able to then parlay into, uh, you know, nice. helping, you know, start up this collectibles pod over there. So really, um, you know, living li living the best of both worlds in this fantasy and uh, sports collectibles community over there. So are you guys just like the two cardboard bros that, you know, everyone's just kind of like, what is going on? Like you guys are just in your own world or are they kind of secretly into it? Like I'm just... I'm just imagining Evan Silva either like just being totally for this or against this. I, so I it's it's know. it's really sad because we have the the worst, if you will, of both worlds with like you know the Evan Silvas of the world with the the hand in the dirt. They just want to watch football. They want to play football. You know Evan Silva, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, who you know Brandon Thorne. These guys are like really into offensive and defensive line play. Uh, they they really just want to sit back on the couch, crack a couple of Bud Lights, and just watch football, right? And then you've got the other side, the Adam Levitans and Michael Leones and and Taylor, our CEO. These guys are like super into nfts so gary and i are kind of in the middle and just take crap really? from both sides yeah. right the, the the virgin cardboard bros and the guys collecting cardboard so <laughs> so we're kind yeah. of the outcasts of of the established the run crew but um you know we've, we've carved out kind of a, a nice niche for ourselves and i think with within the card market i think there's like really good uh, a place for our type of analysis just like really focusing on the on-field stuff and on-court stuff and really trying to find edges yep. and like who to who to collect as much as like what to collect that you get from like generic card market stuff. Yeah, Cody, I, I couldn't have said it better yeah. myself. We are uh, obviously if you're involved in the like DFS Twitter world, the fantasy community Twitter world, you know that there's a ton of crossover with the NFT bro space, and you know really it's it's one in <laughs> the same. So what we're trying to do is definitely a little unique and uh, probably a little off the beaten path of what most DFS people are are doing, but. Um, you know, we, we've spoken about this since our first episode and like a thesis that we really tried to, to hammer down is that there's so much crossover between fantasy success and hobby success or, or hobby value. Uh, so, you know, really, that's kind of something we try to harp on, like through our fantasy analysis, yeah. uh, through our on-court or on-field analysis, kind of trying to figure out what our best investment strategies are for uh, the hobby. Yeah. And I think for a split second there. It, people uh dfs twitter was like about cardboard and then and then top shot came yeah. out and it was just all it was all gone it was just pure nft after that but um like you said there's a correlation between fantasy analysis and you know finding players early on that you could probably get for cheap deals when it comes to to cards so 
we're in one of the the most hype times in football right now, right? We have playoffs around the corner. We have one more weekend of like, man, will Justin Herbert make it? Um, you know, th- there's there's gonna be some fun speculation going on. So I'm curious to hear from each of you your takes on maybe some players you're watching, things you hope to see happen. Yeah, I'm really curious where you guys are at because from my perspective, like just thinking about the quarterbacks and the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and and as you mentioned, Justin Justin Herbert's kind of uh, on the outside looking in. They need to win this weekend to get in, but there's so many good names and like just at different uh, points of their careers, right? We have obviously the old heads with Aaron Rodgers who looks you know ripe to win back to back MVP awards. Yeah. We've got Tom Brady who is obviously entrenched as the goat, trying to take this team with Tyler Johnson and Cyril <laughs> Grayson and Ronald Jones to another Super Bowl, um, you know, which would be remarkable in and of itself. But then you've got this this group kind of in the middle: the the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. This you know 2017 2018 class. But then you've got these exciting, exciting young guys with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. Like it's, it's, it's really, really interesting where we're at with the playoffs as a whole. And just like when I'm thinking about trying to make like decisions on should you sell at this time or should you buy at this time? Like I hate being so optimistic because it's, it's something we can get accused of doing a lot on established collection because we just want to buy, buy, buy. Uh, You know, obviously that's not feasible, but there's, there's very few names. Like when we're looking at this playoff picture that I'm like, outright wanting to sell you know what I mean there's there's certain teams that I think don't have a shot at all to make the playoffs but I still think their quarterbacks might have like good long-term prospects like even Jalen Hurts I think that team is set up for long-term success as long as they continue to give him a shot they've got the draft capital uh you know I think they've got good offensive line and defensive line play I think the the front office is smart so you know yeah like is is Jalen Hurts probably going to get bounced in the first round sure and maybe is there a better buying window after the playoffs are over, probably. probably. Like, if I'm holding it right now, I'm still not crazy to sell just because of, you know, I, I, th- I think there's some long-term sustainability there for his card market. Yeah, uh, especially with football where it's just so, so dominated by quarterbacks. And, you know, quarterbacks just in general, um, you probably look at as more of a long-term investment, uh, just given their, uh, what drives the hobby, what uh, drives interest in the sport, it really what what carries the day uh, for any kind of real financial upside. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to find those true selling windows. If it's somebody that you've been investing in, um, because it's whether you're a fan, whether you believe in their long-term talent, that's really why, you know, people are getting all into Herbert, you know, last year when, when he comes out and sets all these rookie records is because people think this guy could be something special. That means you're not yeah. necessarily looking to sell, uh, this year, next year, you're looking to sell in 15 years after he's won two Super Bowls and is on his way to the hall of fame. Right. So, um, you know, it's always difficult. And that's probably why we can get accused of being a little bit too optimistic on, on the football pod. But, you know, we just recorded a new episode last night. And I was I was actually talking about how I, I really think we're entering a week now, like between week 18 and week one of the uh, postseason, where you have real big selling windows for the quarterbacks that are about to start playing yeah. games, uh, their, their first playoff game. You know, it's like a lot of hype builds up right until that first moment. And you don't know if they're about to get bounced or about to rise to the occasion. But whatever it is, the hype will drive kind of a peak right before that first playoff game. Right. Well, and that was actually my next question for you was like, you've been collecting for a while. Um, and so when it comes to playoff season, what is like a typical trend line? If someone's new into cards, uh, what are kind of trends that people can anticipate as playoffs continue all the way to the Super Bowl, you know, right after the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, you know, like in most sports and, and definitely in, in basketball and football where, where I have the most familiarity, um, any kind of real playoff run will usually result in a bump in the player's ultimate value, especially if the writing is on the wall for a championship or, or you know, a, a, a real legacy booster, uh, if you will. So, you know, that's usually what you're going to see. So, if you know, people like Burrow and Herbert here, you know, they're about to have 
probably each have their first career playoff start. But if you don't think they're going to really have an opportunity to make a run, you're probably going to see a uh, peak coming up here that you might not have for, for a while until next season. Now, conversely, someone like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, um, well, Brady's in, you know, his own class with kind of given his, his legacy status there. But, um, you know, Mahomes, we could use as an example, right? Two years ago when he, you know, went to the Super Bowl and won, we saw mega boosts in his stuff. Last year, you saw big, big boost heading into the Super Bowl. And then right after you did see a little bit of a dip after the loss, people get, yep. you know, scared, think that, you know, hey, uh, yeah, is he not low. all cracked out to be right? You know, and it went, it went down to lows that we probably wouldn't won't, and will, wouldn't have expected to see and uh, might not see from Mahomes for, for a while. So, you know, pretty, you know, it sounds pretty basic, but, you know, that is what you can expect. So um, I wouldn't be holding if you are looking to get out and, and kind of take your profits in the playoffs, I wouldn't be holding unless it's a, you know, a team or, or somebody that you think really has a chance to make a big run. I made a, uh, I made a big mistake. I lost, I sold like a burrow lot that I had, um, to Ryan cards, LLC there on Twitter. Um, and I sold it to him for like 2,500 bucks. I was stoked in the moment. I totally thought the Bengals weren't going anywhere. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> and all of a sudden this guy just ice in his veins, stone cold killer, you know, he just comes and he's balling out. And, uh, I mean that card ladder bump, boom, hit him yeah. right there. Like it's been nice yeah. right now. So he's an interesting one. Like, I think, I actually think they have a chance to compete. And if that happens, man, his cards could keep taking that. Um, and so there's other interesting players. There's like him, right. Uh, who, if Josh Allen could maybe actually establish himself as like that next tier, if he keeps winning, are there any like specifics that you're like, Oh man, I got my eye on them. I think first of all, like just taking a more micro stance here, like for people that are really new into card collecting and investing in cards as like alternative forms of, uh, you know, alternative assets and alternative forms of investing, you need to be clear about what you're buying at this point. Um, kind of in the card trajectory, we saw this this really huge spike during, you know, the, the heart of the pandemic um, and everything went up everything went up. It didn't matter if it was a base card, if it was graded, not graded, like everything was going to the moon. Uh, last couple of months, in fact, like the last six to eight months, we've seen kind of a steady decline on lower end stuff, base cards, um, especially as PSA, one of the major graders gets through a huge backlog of cards that they've had in their offices. So uh, I think if, if like, if you're at this point now where you're thinking about dipping your toes in the water and trying to invest or starting to invest, you need to be careful about who you're buying, obviously, but also what mm. you're buying. Like, um, if you're buying base cards, just kind of understand that those are a lower end product. Uh, and if you're trying to invest in stuff that has long-term upside, um, definitely that mid tier, you know, we talk about, uh, prism silvers a lot, prism colored refractors, uh, you know, select colored refractors, uh, national treasures, RPAs. If you've got, you know, a little bit more money, a little bit bigger bankroll, things like that are just going to have, you know, longer sustainability. If you're looking for specific players right now, I think Gary mentions a good point, uh, and is, is something that kind of runs counter to what you would think like this, this truly is like, it's, it's tough to say it, but this truly is a good window that if, if you were breaking, uh, cards during the heart of the pandemic or getting your hands above, this is probably a good time to sell. We've got a lot of these 2020 guys with Hertz and Herbert and Burrow, um, that are going to be they're going to get a lot of the hype as we head into this these next couple of weeks of the playoffs. I expect the Chargers to take care of business oh. uh, against the Raiders oh, this come week. On. Uh, hot take: uh, I'm drafting a lot of playoff best balls right now, and I'm I'm drafting as though the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. So if they don't, I'll, I'll be crushed. Um, but I do I think they take care of business. I think you kind of get a little bit of a bump there from Herbert, but then especially going into that wild card weekend, uh, you know, definitely there's going to be a lot of attention there. And whether or not they make a little bit of a run, I think this is a, a good chance to offload a little bit. And then if you're looking for long-term um, 
immediately after like a player gets bounced in the, in the subsequent weeks, especially after they get bounced from the playoffs, whether it's Herbert or Burrow or Hertz, someone that you like long-term is like a really, really good opportunity to buy. So keep, like keep an eye out for those. Again, it kind of runs counter to, to what you might expect as, as hype starts to dwindle down, obviously though um, you can get some good deals. Yeah. So as much as, as much as it is fun to like invest for a playoff run, a uh, Super Bowl run, uh, I think like waiting until the playoffs are over is, a, is probably a good chance to buy on, on a lot of these yeah. players. Yeah, that's yeah. Smart. I um I did a ton of Burrow buying last offseason. So after he goes down with the injury, people kind of forget about him, don't know what his timetable is, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, that's when I did a lot of my Burrow buying. So I, I'm very happy with where we're currently at um, and probably will offload some uh, over the next week leading into there. And then, but I'm a believer as well. So I want to keep some for, for long-term investment. I think the guy is uh, both, you know, uberly talented, but just really has the goods to, to be a leader and be a successful quarterback for a long time. But, you know, Cody brought up a really great point too, where it's like, things like him, you just have to be very careful of what you're buying when you're buying it, because, you know, his, if you, his base prism PSA 10, for example, it's like got a pop of 2,500 or so and rising, um, mm-hmm. that's going to rise. Could that, that is going to continue to rise pretty significantly as some of these orders get back here. Um, we know that that was a very heavily circulated card. There's a lot of them in existence. Um, so while, you know, that is at uh, new highs right now, over the last two weeks, you look at that card ladder bump, as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, you probably are buying at peak of market, especially as more of these enter circulations. So just be be aware of what you're buying. Um, if you have the bankroll to buy something that you know the circulation count on, you know, refractors, uh, you know, serial number cards, things like that, uh, probably what what my advice would be is to, to go in that direction. Yeah, no, I love it. So even if players get a bump, if they succeed, like there's a chance that in the off season, they do go, the prices do go back down because there's so many eyes on the card market right now that you can probably still get deals on players that you like. Uh, later, but it's good to keep an eye on it is, is a good takeaway there. Yep, exactly. How would you, when we're watching players like, um, you know, it is so QB heavy, but as more, I think like fantasy players get into cardboard and different things like that, you know, I do think you see a rise in players like a Justin Jefferson. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, you know, they're not the best spot now, but, um, how do you approach non QB players? Uh, I think it's a good question that people would have. I think from from a just a base level, you need to understand kind of your uh, investment horizon. Obviously, you know, like with talking about running backs, I think a big name now is Jonathan Taylor, um, understanding like what their career arc is like. And some of these guys are outliers and will completely buck the trend. And like uh, Derrick Henry is a good example. Uh, he's obviously injured this year, but is likely coming back. It looked pretty healthy uh, in practice videos today. <laughs> so a lot of these a lot of these guys just have very short career trajectories or, you know, very short trajectories where they're like true difference yeah. makers so i think you need to be careful in what you're investing in and like how long you're planning on holding if you want to use it as kind of a, a hedge or as another way to get down um, some money on players that you're heavy on during the fantasy season you could have made a lot of money if you were if you were someone that was drafting jonathan taylor in the first and second round of your fantasy draft and also buying his cards at that time this summer you're really happy right now um some, same thing with cooper cup same thing with jamar chase same thing with justin jefferson um, but I do think that the windows and we don't have a huge uh, sample size on all this stuff because it is, has been so quarterback heavy. This is kind of a newer trend. But I think that the windows on these t- as in terms of investments outside of like true outliers, true Hall of Famers is like much shorter. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that gear. Like if you think that these quarter, these non quarterbacks have like long term investment windows or if you think that they're more like season long. flips. Yep, I, um, I, I look at it kind of from a two prong approach. So um, one is you know, we're all invested in the fantasy community. Like we are, have our preseason picks guys that we like. Um, I look at those type of guys, uh, that we think are going to have big 
breakout seasons, put up, you know, 1200 receiving yards, whatever, those types of, of receivers, um, in individual seasons as short-term flip opportunities, you know, invest heavily in the off season, uh, you know, take your profits in the season. I look, you know, who are the people that you'd be interested in buying right now from the nineties, the eighties and stuff. It's like Randy Moss, right? It's Barry Sanders, things right, like that. Like I bought same. a couple, right. I yeah. bought a couple Randy Moss rookie cards, uh, like a year and a half ago. And I, I just, something I wanted to have because he's one of maybe my favorite player I've ever watched. And you know, he's a, you know, surefire, uh, top five receiver of all time, whatever. So when I'm investing or if I'm investing in a skill position player, uh, of modern day, I literally ask myself like those type of standards, can this player reach top 10 to top 15 all time at this position? If the answer is no, I'm looking yeah. at this as a short-term opportunity. Now, that's not to say if you're just a collector, you're you're collecting with your kids, you want to, you know, learn about the players or just have cool collections of, of you know, PC of somebody your favorite, excuse the sirens in New York City, um, <laughs> then, you know, of course, you should go ahead and do that. Uh, but if you are looking at it from a true investment opportunity, uh, that's kind of how, you know, my what my approach is. Yeah, no, that's a really good rule of thumb. Um, one last kind of like 101 question. So, I mean, even for people who might be ripping, you know, uh, players of the, of the current rookie class. Uh, I know it took me a while to learn what type of things I should, like I wasted money on XR boxes and, Mm -hmm. you know, like all the, a lot of the mid tier stuff that doesn't matter. Um, for people who are newer, what, what things should they be looking for? Right. Is that say, say they want high end, what are like the couple products that they should go for? Cause high end's nice. Cause like if you can get your hands on it, Hey, could hold some value if they take off. So, so what are some high end, you know, brands maybe that you're waiting for? Yeah. So, I mean, I always split it up into two categories. Like one is just your like Chrome based flagship stuff, which at this point is still considered high end with the prices of boxes these days. Right. So right. of course, like your Pernini Prism and uh, Donruss Optic uh, would be, would be your top two there, um, you know, and, and, and Mosaic and Select as well. Uh, and those are and still, you know, very high end. You, you get those thousand get silver. bucks for a hobby box. Yeah. Right. Of course you get the silver or better, you grade it, you sit on it. That's kind of your investment piece, whatever. Um, and then you have your patch autograph, your thick card stock type of products, um, you know, for basketball and football, these are all Panini products ruled, uh, at least as of right now. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. we'll, our, um, you know, ruled by like national treasures is really the flagship rookie patch autograph. Uh, you know, you're talking about $5,000, $4,000 boxes in basketball, similar in football. Um, and flawless as well as one, you know, flawless is cool. Cause those are all game worn patches with the autographs, even in their rookie seasons, uh, which is great. And then, um, you know, Which one of those uh, two do you think pulls a higher value, Flawless or, or National Treasures? For RPA, just straight up rookie patch autographs, National Treasures will will always hold the most value. But for the other cards within those sets, I think Flawless will win out a lot of the time. Nice. Um, so just like straight up autographs or, um, you know, the the slab, there's like slabbed up cards within those products and flawless, like those will, will hold more value. Um, and then there's immaculate as well, which is a, is a high end, uh, uh, product that is holds a little bit more weight in, um, basketball, but you know, is a, is a very nice football product too. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. One last question. You're, this is a gold mine here. You're, you're spinning what's just like normal stuff for you, but for people who are like getting into it, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, what about like Panini one and sure. someone's like yeah, that where it's like, they, they have like, uh, there's another encased, you know, that comes with like those one cards. How do you view those products? Yeah, those are really nice products. Like, um, you know, Panini just came out with Panini Impeccable like a week and a half ago for football as well, which I think is also a very nice product. A lot of on-card autographs, you know, the difference between obviously there's a sticker autograph or an on-card autograph. Sticker autographs are what they sound like. They, they send a sheet of stickers to players. They sign all of them and they just smack those guys on the cards. Yeah. Obviously those hold a lot less value than on-card autographs. So you're going to find like 
products like XR, like you mentioned, even Panini Spectra that came out a couple weeks ago, which I like, but is is um, like a thousand dollars a box. A lot of it is sticker autographs, which I'm not looking for. I want on card. So Panini One, as you mentioned, uh, or One and One in basketball, which is really fun, um, is is great. It, but it's expensive. You're right. You're spending anywhere from like seven hundred to a thousand dollars on a box, and you get one card in there. Now that card has a lot of upside. It could be a you know really high end. Um, you know, Mac Jones rookie patch autograph out of 10 or whatever. And then you're, you're really happy with your purchase, but you also might get uh, like a Patrick Willis out of five autograph or something right. like that. And you're like, Oh crap, you know, so right. um, high risk, high reward type products, but they're, they're very good as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm just looking at the, uh, the outline that I gave you here. How are we doing on time guys? Oh yeah, yeah we're good. I, I'm going to see any like, 10 minutes before 10 o'clock to uh, rebuild it at, at, at real quick, but I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. No, this is perfect. Um, yeah. Let's do, uh, let's just do one, one last kind of big subject. Um, so you guys are going to be the first ones that I talk about this with on the podcast. Uh, Fanatics just acquired tops. Um, you guys said that you just recorded an episode last night. I'm sure you, you talked even about this in detail, but for the grails crew here, uh, one, what does this mean for the alternative asset world? And do you have any, any hot takes here? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think this deal just made sense, right? I mean, uh, Tops was was set to go public at like a one point three billion dollar valuation. Then Fanatics, Fanatics comes in, swoops up all of the licenses, literally every last one, um, really devalues both Tops and Panini quite a bit. And I think Tops was pretty smart to to take the deal, being kind of the first shoe to drop. Um, still valued at around 500 million, which is obviously a massive, massive number given what just happened. So I think it is a good yeah. deal um, just from a business perspective for tops. Obviously it's good for fanatics, but really it's good for us as collectors and investors. We, I don't think there was anyone that was like excited. Uh, frankly, I was quite nervous of like getting fanatics branded right. cards <laughs> sent to me. Uh, I didn't want to go to my local hobby shop or Walmart or whatever and get like a, a you know, familiar, familiarize myself with a new brand and a new product and like trying to figure out again after just getting through Panini and tops and, and finally understanding like what I yeah, need to everything Gary in. just said now I've got goes to figure to crap. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It all goes out the window. Now I got to figure out what fanatics is, you know, paper product is versus their Chrome versus their national treasures RPA. So what this means, I guess, for, for alternative assets and, and collectors as a whole, I think we're going to get a lot of tops Chrome as kind of like your base product tops, Chrome tops, finest, yeah, basketball. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we're familiar with for obviously baseball, but also for basketball, I think too. Uh, which is really exciting. Topps Chrome was a great product when it was around for basketball. There's some really iconic yeah. cards um, from Topps Chrome. So I think that's a, a one thing to be excited about. But I think f for like alternative assets as a whole, we're going to have really good infrastructure in place for Fanatics uh, with, with the Topps brand coming over. There's going to be some brand alignment, obviously, with the leagues. And then furthermore, if you followed along for any of this Fanatics stuff, uh, flowing through from the first licensing deals being announced now to the top stuff is Michael Rubin is an absolute Savage. killer man. And like, this isn't the first move that he's going to make when it comes to the card stuff. And it's not, you know, it's not, not the last move that he's going to make. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot more uh, maybe another shoe drops with, you know, upper deck or, you know, somebody else gets, gets acquired as well. And we just finally get all of these amazing, beautiful card products that we all want to get our hands on and collect in under yep. one roof. Right. And I think that's one thing that we can all get excited about uh, on top of, you know, the deals that were just announced. Gary, any hot takes? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm really excited about it, honestly. Like, I think um, both Ruben and Josh Luber have just a really 
positive, strong direction for the future of this hobby. And I think this is just the first shoe to drop. Um, I think it's pretty inevitable. We talked about this last night too. And, you know, I, I, I don't think Panini is in as big of a rush to get acquired. Obviously they have, um, you know, a lot going for them still in the short term. They're doing just fine. They have a lot of great licensing, a lot of great products coming out. Um, they have to worry about their own stuff, but you know, when those licenses do run out, um, I think they're not going to want to be kind of caught with the bag in their hands or, or whatever, uh, the empty bag in their hands, I should say. And, right. um, you know, I wonder if this puts a little pressure on them is what, is what I was telling you know, Cody last night in the sense that, you know, Topps Chrome's coming back around. Uh, that was the flagship forever for, you know, obviously we, we look at LeBron's rookie card. It's the Topps Chrome rookie. Um, right now, Prism holds that belt. Uh, I don't think they want to kind of be, you know, their legacy and, and that brand and, you know, kick their, their employees taken care of. They don't want that stuff to lose value and speculation alone, you know, could, could hurt them. So, um, right. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, them, you know, obviously fanatics is, is just ruthless here in, in, in a good way. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them look to make a move at some point. I hope upper deck as well, because it'd be great to see all these bra uh, iconic brands back. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, if you don't know, so, um, fanatics, right. They bought tops, which in the short term, the baseball license, uh, now can just, they can automatically start fanatics will own tops and be able to profit in the baseball market because tops owns the MLB license. And then for the NFL and NBA, um, NBA is up in 2025 and I think football's NFL is in 2026. So yep. that's when, when Gary says they have some time, it's because it's, it's still far way off kind of, but yeah, I mean, they're right around the corner there. And, and I think you're right. I, I love my take and it's not, a, it's not hot by any means. It's like, I love the, the Michael Rubin take that you said, Cody, where it's like, this guy's just an innovator. He's a savage. And I love that. I have him and his war chest of money behind growing cards and the alternative assets, right? It's a like, very good thing. Yeah. Like think right. with their, their product catalog, when you go to buy a Jersey, the, the normie fan can just go on, you know, NFL.com or whatever. Right. And it's fanatics product line. And then right up there, they put, sports cards right next to the Jersey. Like they can just seamlessly integrate it into their, their current product offerings. Um, I love it. So that's yeah. where yeah. a lot of value. And huge customer base, obviously massive customer base. And the way that the, the deal was announced, it's the, the, the leagues are aligned as well. The MLB, NBA, mm, and NFL point. are aligned to make this a and big players. deal for the players, for the leagues, because there's, they get a cut now. Right. So, uh, I think that the way this deal is structured is good for everyone. All of a sudden, uh, you know, if we, if we get Al, Ma, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth or Peyton Manning and Eli Manning talking about sports cards, um, because it's good for the leagues, it's good for the league's partners. Like, uh, you know, it's just huge marketing opportunities for everyone involved. And obviously that comes back to the collectors too. I think, you know, as we talked about in NFTs off the top and, you know, getting some crap from, from the NFT bros in the digital world, like this industry is ripe for disruption. It has been for yeah. a while. Uh, I am interested to see like what happens with local hobby shops, what happens with the way that they're able to distribute mm -hmm. cards. Obviously, Fanatic's uh, calling card, uh, no pun intended, is getting direct yeah. to consumer. So will they cut out breakers? Will they cut out hobby shops? What's going to happen there will be interesting and, and how that will flow down to us as collectors and investors is kind of one thing that I'm, I'm waiting to right. see. Uh, but I think it's all good. I think change in this aspect is good. And knowing that the brand on the cards is going to remain good and strong and, and it's going to be a beautiful product is uh, one less stress on my mind going right. forward. Agreed. Agreed. Well, absolutely. Hey, thanks guys. Um, establish the collection. If you kind of like this talk, it's a mix of fantasy football, uh, you know, and fancy other sports uh, mixed with cards. I know here on Grails, we talk about 
a whole bunch of different type of alternative assets, but on established the collection, man, they really hone in that combo of fantasy and collecting. So definitely check out their podcast. Um, Cody and Gary, thanks so much for joining. Hey, thank you so much for having us, John. I really appreciate it.